You're listening to Sermons by the Park from Union Congregational Church in East Walpole, Massachusetts. I'm Pastor Aaron Shepard, and on behalf of the members of our church, let me just say what a blessing it is to have you listen to the message we're sharing and to become a part of what God is up to over here in our little corner of creation. To learn more about Union, you can visit our website, churchbythepark.org. Friends, we live in trying times. There's no doubt about it. There's global conflicts and catastrophes, political and economic uncertainty, cultural changes, generational shifts, and oh yeah, all of the usual trials and triumphs of just being human. Even if you look around and think to yourself, I don't know, pastor, life seems pretty good to me. Don't worry, we all have our trying times. In the church, we set aside 40 days leading up to Holy Week and the celebration of Easter as a time of trial, a time of testing what God can do and what we can do with God. The prophet Malachi wrote, Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. Friends, I pray that you may experience that overflowing flowing blessing, even in trying times. Now here's this week's message. The first scripture reading this morning is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verses 1 through 3 and 11 through 12. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. As one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him of no account. Out of his anguish he shall see light, He shall find satisfaction through his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, shall make many righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out himself to death, he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. May God add a blessing to the reading and hearing of this word. Our gospel reading this morning comes to us in the fourth chapter of Matthew's gospel. Let's continue to listen for God's word for us here today. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. But Jesus said to him, Again it is written, 
Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. But Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You join me now in a moment of prayer. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come into this dry and famished time and fill us with living water and the bread of life. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable, even pleasing in your sight. O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, this year, the Lenten sermon series that I would like to offer is called Trying Times. Trying Times. And I want to focus our attention during this season on the times. Uh, times that are trying for us as, as people, as, as parents, as Americans, as mentors to a new generation as caretakers of an older generation, but most of all, trying times for us as Christians. And I want to focus in these trying times on how we try, how we try to live as Christians in the midst of this. At our Ash Wednesday service this week, a few, few folks were there, uh, or if you listen to the sermon podcast later, you heard me mention that when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, When he taught them the Lord's Prayer, he taught them to ask God to not bring us into a time of trial. That's the part of the Lord's Prayer we normally say, lead us not into temptation. It's the most literal translation, though, is do not bring us into a time of trial. But right here on this first Sunday of Lent, we are confronted in Scripture with these words. Jesus was led. Jesus was brought into the wilderness to be tested, to be tempted, to a time of trial. It's the very same word that he includes in the Lord's Prayer later. Now in Luke's account of of Jesus' time in the wilderness, he says that the Spirit did not lead Jesus into the time of trial. It drove him into the wilderness like he didn't want to go, but he went anyway, almost against his will. You can call it fate. You can call it destiny. You can call it the will of God. Whatever you call it, the message is clear that the time of trial is something that whether we seek it out, whether we choose it for ourselves, it will come for us. Indeed, that is why we pray on the daily, precisely not to be led into the time of trial. And yet Lent comes every year, and this scripture stands at the gate, and we cannot turn from it. And so I think in this Lenten season, rather than praying not to be led into a time of trial, instead perhaps we need to pray a little differently. And I like a prayer that I read in Howard Thurman's Meditations of the Heart. It's a simple prayer. 
It says, give me the strength to be free. Give me the strength to be free. Give me strength because this is a time of trial. And give me strength so that I may be free, which Thurman says is the freedom to overcome the realities of one's circumstances and not to be overcome by them. We cannot overcome what we cannot confront, and so we have to go into the time of trial, but we should go in knowing that Christ went too, that Christ was led by the Spirit into a time of trial as well. Right there at the beginning, Jesus was not alone. The divine presence was there. The spirit was there. You can call it the still, small voice. You can call it the breath of life. You can call it a fire that descends. Not the, not the nice uh, little candle fire over here, but what we heard in the call to worship, the refiner's fire, a blast furnace. Perhaps the spirit is more like that. And speaking of the Spirit, you might have seen lately uh, an event going on in a little town called Wilmore, Kentucky, at a Christian university called Asbury University. For the last few weeks, there's been a full-on 19th century-style Great Awakening there, a revival for, for two days straight, nonstop worship services there in the Hughes Chapel on campus, people coming and praying uh, at first, it was just students, people on campus, and then visitors heard about it and started coming. Uh, indeed, people from all across the world came to this revival. Gracie Turner, who's a senior at Asbury, told the story about sort of her experience of this revival. Uh, she said it started with just a normal run-of-the-mill chapel service. At that university, they have chapel every day, and students are required to attend. And so she was at chapel just like everyone else was supposed to be at chapel. But she admitted that she, even before she had come to that university, she had lost her faith in God. She felt like God had abandoned her and that she resented God. Her grandmother had died of cancer just before she began her college journey, and, and in that grief and in that loss, she wondered where God was. And three years of chapel services later, she still resented God. She still felt some emptiness there, but she kept showing up. She kept showing up for chapel. That day, she said she left to go on to her next thing because, again, it was just another day in the life she saw a few folks staying after, but she didn't think much of it. And then an hour later, she got a text from one of her friends who said, come to Hughes, that's the chapel, something is happening. And so when she got there, she saw people praying and crying, people standing up in the front of the church, people laying prostrate on the floor. There were these deep emotional outbursts and, and spoken prayers and songs. I mean, can you imagine coming into this sanctuary and seeing such a thing? I mean, can you even imagine that? What would you do if you saw people crying and shouting and running and throwing themselves on the floor? You'd probably just kind of slowly back out and say, this isn't where I parked my car. Right? 
But Gracie Turner, she sat down in the back pew and she watched this for a moment and then she too began to pray and she said that for the first time in years, God answered her prayer. She said, it felt like God was telling me that this is what you've been missing. And she felt at peace. She didn't feel alone. She didn't feel her grief. She didn't feel the depression and loneliness that she had been talking to her, to her friends about. And a few days later, she went back to the chapel, and she stood up and testified about that experience. And she said, for the longest time, I resented God. She stood up in front of all of those holy rollers and said that. I resented God. I wasn't a believer. And I just kept thinking, all these people are going to hate me. Because they're all here for God, and I'm, I'm the one up here telling my story. But when she shared that story, they didn't hate her. In fact, the people came forward. They laid hands on her. They prayed for her. And again, she felt transported. She felt like she had found what she was looking for. She felt like she had found a community, like she'd found fellowship in the Spirit. Of course, as with any revival, there are all sorts of reactions to it. And in fact, the, the Reverend Daryl Goodwin, who's our uh, conference minister for the Southern New England Conference of the United Church of Christ, he, he wrote a post yesterday on Facebook about this. And he said, there have been lots of concerns about the Asbury revivals. Concerns about safety, about authenticity, about theological accuracy, concerns about whether or not this is a real revival or something else. But Goodwin says that we should pause for a moment with our concerns, perhaps. And he says, sometimes we have created such a tight liturgy that there is literally no room for the spontaneous, the curious, the creative, or the spirit. Yes, this is even true if you have spent 10 plus hours working on the perfect sermon, the perfect hymns, and if you are honest, even you don't feel moved. Sometimes, he says, worship can be embodied. Our bodies need and want to move. Our bodies need to express themselves. Why not at church? Sometimes God is tugging at your mind, your body, your spirit. Instead of making worship all about an intellectual experience, allow it to be both, both and full. Sometimes we truly need to do a new thing. And then he says, if you, if you are reading this and it's touched a nerve, take a moment, close your eyes, Lift your hands and tell God yes. Yes to the outpouring of your spirit. Yes to creativity and freedom. Unbridle my mind. Unbridle my hands, my feet, my mouth, my heart, so that I can experience the fullness of you, God. But lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into the time of trying new things. Eh? Jesus went into the wilderness for a time of trial. And his trial is, is threefold. He has three, three trials. It's a test of his whole person, his body, his mind, and his spirit. It is a test of his pride. And it's also a test of his ambition and the desires of his heart, what he really wants. The tempter comes to him after 40 days in the wilderness without food. 
and offers bread. Now you have to know, I did a little reading on this, most hunger strikes last about 20 days. Sometimes people will go longer than that. Some of the longest are between 45 and 60 days long, but oftentimes those prove fatal to those who engage in them. And most of the time those are women, because by some quirk of uh, male anatomy we are less able to go without food. So 40 days means Jesus is at the point of death. And of course, we think at the end of Lent, when we come to Good Friday, that is Jesus on the point of death, but he was there earlier, too. He had been there before, and here he is, having just been baptized, having just had the Spirit of God descend upon him and then lead him out into the wilderness. And he is near death. Why he stayed out there, I have no idea. Perhaps he too was waiting for a revival. Perhaps he was like Gracie Turner and he just wanted God to speak to him and there was nothing for those 40 long days. And then, who shows up? Not God at all. But this tempter who says, command these stones to turn into loaves of bread. And the thing is, is we know Jesus can do that. But Jesus fends him off. He says, no, it is the word of God that gives life, not bread alone. The reading from the prophet Isaiah today is known as the song of the suffering servant. It describes this servant of God. And one of the things it says there is that he shall find satisfaction through his knowledge. In other words, that one does not live by bread alone, but by the knowledge of God that comes through the word. And of course, oftentimes, in the Lenten fast, we try to focus our attention on the fact that Jesus was so hungry, that his body was so uh, uh, shriveled away over that time, that we tend to think of the fast as being a bodily thing first and foremost as well. That's why some people don't choose to keep a fast. Oftentimes people choose something like giving up chocolate or some other sort of uh, thing that has to do with their body um, for Lent. But Jesus indicates for us, no, that, that Lent is for the renewal of our mind. As Paul reiterates in, in Romans, he says, Do not be conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and indeed prove what the will of God is. Paul says, Paul uses that word test, but it's a slightly different version. Paul says that you will be able to prove the will of God. And the word he uses is more like the kind of experiment you do in a high school class where the outcome everyone pretty much already knows. It's just a demonstration, not so much a test. All this is to say that if we are to follow Christ in this time of trying and demonstrating the way of Christ, then it, it has to involve the renewal of our minds as well as our bodies through the encountering of the word of God. And so I'll remind you that Bible study is Tuesday evening at 7.30 p.m. on Zoom, and I'm going to post the link on the church homepage. It'll be right there on the landing page, churchbythepark.org. Anyone can come. Anyone is welcome. 
The second temptation Jesus faces is about his pride. It's about leaning on the fact that he is God's own son. The tempter says, throw yourself down, for scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that the angels will not allow you to dash your foot upon the stones. Again, why Bible study is important, because we can do all things through a scripture verse taken out of context. But Jesus says, you will not put the Lord your God to the test. Paul reiterates that when we have the same mind as Christ, that what we have is a mind for self-sacrifice, not self-improvement, not self-aggrandizement. Paul reminds us that even though Jesus was in his very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, a servant. Jesus would not transform the stones into bread. But when he saw others who were hungry, he was more than happy to provide. Some folks think of Lent as a season for self-improvement. I know I have thought of that over the years. But perhaps the Spirit is calling for us to be otherwise in this Lenten season, to, to focus and try to put more emphasis upon others in our lives than upon ourselves. And that may be, you know, the people at the margins of our society, the homeless. It may be someone who you don't get along with, an enemy, a competitor. Or perhaps it may be the seemingly faithless young person of the new generation who feels lost and alone, feels like they're missing something. See, the gift of Christ is, is a gift to be shared with other people. Finally, Jesus is tempted. He's tempted with worldly power. And I think that's what many people were so concerned about with this whole Asbury University revival thing. They, they were worried that this was some sort of gimmick, some sort of ploy to coerce people, that there was some sort of leverage uh, that people were going to, to use this for money or fame or power. There's always this concern when piety becomes something public, perhaps a bit too visible. That's why Jesus warned his disciples not to, not to be too ostentatious with their prayers or their alms. He advised them to pray in secret, to give in secret, for then you will store up treasures in heaven. But Jesus tells the tempter that it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve God alone. Even then, at the edge of his life, with his mind perhaps not as sharp as it may have been at other times, Jesus knew, Jesus knew what Paul wrote later, that neither powers nor principalities, those very things that the tempter was offering Jesus, none of that can separate us from the love of God. But times are trying precisely because the temptation is real powers and principalities, the realities, the circumstances we receive, these are powerful things. But the word of God tells us that revival is still possible, that something different, something new is still possible. The Spirit will push us 
the Spirit will pull us, and it may not look the way we think, it may not speak the way we are used to speaking. It may push us to be other than we are used to being, but even in the midst of that discomfort, even in the midst of that time of trial, the Spirit is there in our midst. And for that, we can say thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening. I hope this week's message encouraged you, maybe challenged you, but connected with you somehow. If you'd like to connect with us, you can reach out on Facebook or Instagram at Church by the Park. The theme music you hear is Just Do It by RKVC. Until next time, may the grace and peace of Christ be with you.